0: Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured two Premier League matches, one at home against Chelsea and the other at St. James's Park against Newcastle United. Hello, Keith. How you doing? I'm good, Dove. It's uh, Off the back of two wins, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm
1: feeling <laughs> hope, which is always dangerous. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, uh, there there are good things happening in England this week and not just the coronation. <laughs> I mean, that depends entirely on your opinion of the monarchy, but we that's not this podcast. That's not this podcast. <laughs> so So yeah, um No real follow up from last week. Uh, One kind of PSA to point out to our listeners and now viewers, if you're watching us, uh, we're going to try and post this on YouTube. We'll see how that goes. It's experimental. (laughs) Um, So Arsenal is having a U.S. series of games. Uh, It looked like their first match is going to be in Washington, D.C., and the second one, which Keith very helpfully emailed me before pre-sales began, was at um, – at it's going to be playing against Manchester United at MetLife Stadium in the New York area. Um, it, it is kind of funny that these games are always billed as like in New York City or in New York. It is not in either. Um, it is in New Jersey. It is in the stadium where a New York team plays. It is very close to New York City. That's, it yeah. is New Jersey, but it doesn't sound as good if they were to say it's... playing in New Jersey. <laughs>
1: It, well, it's, it's the new york metropolitan area and and i will say i having, right. it's for those of you who are unaware that is where the the jets and the giants out of the nfl play um uh, having having attended games there like you can you can see manhattan the skyline from the parking lots oh, yeah. i mean in a respect so, you know i know your parents are in the the dallas area and the the dallas cowboys play in in arlington texas i uh, you can't see right. dallas from arlington and it's much flatter there too actually <laughs> so you know in in that sense It is the broader, it is the New York metropolitan area. And besides, nobody's going to say Newark, so. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. But yeah, so um, I secured tickets for my family, we are going to be watching from the oldest in our family to the youngest in our family are going to be going. So that's going to be a fun trip. I'm, I'm hoping that my youngest uh, is able to actually sit for the the whole match. Um, Hopefully it being broken into 45 ish minute halves is helpful. In that regard, he has not watched an entire telecast yet. Um he tends to bow out after ten to fifteen minutes. So that's a little high stakes with how much the these are not cheap tickets. No, they're not. Um, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're not. Um <laughs> hopefully they're less uh, in other parts of the country, but
1: Yeah. Well it's um you know, I've I've never seen Arsenal play live of all that, so you know you're this is one you're this is one you're gonna have up on me. So enjoy that. By the way, we'd mentioned the um the the game in DC that we had previously mentioned is against the MLS All Stars. So that's the MLS All-Star game. Right. Um I'm sure we had mentioned some past episode when it came out that was announced, but yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't know if we mentioned that they're playing Arsenal. I think you may have said that that's what MLS usually does is they play against the premier league team. I didn't know if we said it was Arsenal. That didn't sound.
1: I mean, I, you know, now we've said it, it has (laughs) definitely.
0: (laughs) yeah so that's that's great and yeah so playing against manchester united that's gonna be a that's gonna be a great game really looking forward to it um yeah i mean it, it is preseason. it is preseason,
1: so yeah. you're gonna see a lot of players a lot of guys are coming in and out the sub, the usual substitution rules won't apply you're gonna see probably some new signings. some of the bigger names probably won't play very long if at all but who knows it's it you know you'll get to see arsenal and united it's uh should be a really interesting yeah. crowd because they both have very large Large international fan bases, but also very large American fan bases. So it should be interesting.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, they did say something to the effect of their normal starting lineup or something like that, indicating that this is not just going to be like their B squad or something like that. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what we get. (laughs) They always, (laughs) they always say that. I mean, what they're they're doing is they're guaranteed. You will see,
1: you will see players you've heard of. The rosters aren't that deep, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's (laughs) preseason. You know the the goal is to get ready for the season, so they the playing will be playing and the rosters will be done with an eye to that. And there will be there'll be looser substitution rules. There'll be a, probably a lot more subs. You'll see them used more liberally. You know, if if say Bukayo Saka plays, he will play for probably the he might play for the first half and then he'll sit mm-hmm. uh, to you know to rest up and someone and they'll bring in somebody else. Um, so it'll be very different than the games you're sort of watching now. But they're all in preparation for the league schedule when it starts in August.
0: Right, yeah, I may get to see the new kit in person, <laughs> so I imagine so. I, I, well, it will be the new
1: kit. I guess the question will be yeah. which one is which, because of course we know United wears red, so they won't oh, wear the right. same. So it'll be right, right. Uh, one of them will be at least one of them will be in the change. Maybe both if they're if they're different enough, they might both there as a way to sell them. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you'd think that the team with the better record in the previous season would get to wear their home jerseys. They, I mean,
1: I, you know, again, because it's preseason, they don't really care. They, the club decides mm-hmm. that as they way to sell is to make money. So that's, oh, that's sure. what this is about is to sell the bunch of tickets and to get both the clubs rich, uh, which, you know, good yeah. for them. That's, that's why they're allowed to sign good players, you know, how they're able to sign good players in the off season? So we'll talk about that yeah. in the coming weeks, though.
0: Oh, sure. So was there anything else you wanted to discuss before we get to the week's matches? I, uh, no, I think, I think that's, that's the news of the week. The the games are the news. So, and what games they were. Yeah, what, what games indeed. So, uh, our 34th premier league match of a season was on May 2nd against Chelsea. We beat them three to one. It it was kind of frustrating. They didn't get the one goal in. I was really hoping to to shut them out, but you, can't get everything. Uh, two goal difference is still, still good. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a strong outing. It was, like you said, it was a get-right game. I think this did serve that role, it seemed to me, right?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, part of it was Chelsea was bad. I mean, they've been playing very poorly for some time. I think, you you know, the, in the sense that they scored a goal, they've it, been awful for the last month or so. Like, scoring a goal was a big step for them. <laughs> um, but they, yeah they looked they looked dire they looked they were a mess i mean we were we were okay we were a little ragged in the early going but i mean we when we needed to we had the quality to tear them apart and they just looked they did not look like a team really that wanted to be there there that they, that club needs a, a serious reset which they're going to get over the uh, the rumors are they're about they're about to hire the new manager the rumors are uh, i believe i saw uh, mauricio pochettino who used to manage it Spurs will be there. Was probably going to be their manager, hmm. um which he's he's pretty solid. He'll probably do a lot. They'll have a. there will be a very active team in the off season to offload a bunch of players. They have they have literally too many players. Like, apparently, hmm. like they, in training, they can't all fit in the dressing room. Like people are getting changed in the Whoa. hallways. Like, it's it for for a club of Chelsea's stature, like for that to happen is is pretty ridiculous. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. They're a mess. Okay. Right? They're a mess right now, and it's it's <laughs> hilarious. It's just hilarious.
0: Yeah. Well, while we're talking about that, one thing that I noticed is the the commentators had mentioned their manager is a caretaker manager. Does that basically is that saying he's interim like he's not meant to be the permanent manager, he's just in between two? Right, he's the interim. So Chelsea is uh
1: let's see, the the story of Chelsea season they began with Thomas Tuchel as their manager who won them the Champions League 2 years ago now, summer of 21. Uh, or I guess the late, I guess early summer, late, late in the end of the season of in 2021. Um, he was fired in the early going, which wasn't a huge surprise. They brought in Graham Potter out of Brighton. Um, and he was never really able to get established with the club and get that going. So he was fired recently and they've appointed Frank Lampard as their, as their caretaker. Um. Lampard right. is a club legend. He played there for a number of years, was a, was a very good player for them. They won a bunch of trophies. Uh, he also managed them. He was the guy who was fired before they hired Thomas Tuchel. Um, hmm. And he is there. That it, caretaker, in this case, is really... He, he is there until the end of the season, at which point they will appoint the new manager. Um, he's... He hasn't done a very good job. I don't want to sit here and say blanket, he's a terrible manager and should never manage. He's had some, he had a little bit of success with the club, but I mean, he's, it, 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 it's it been a struggle for them and he has some obvious limitations, which is just, you can't work those out and learn on the job when you're at a club like Chelsea. Um, we, we, we've seen, we talked a little bit about this. Yeah. We've seen some of Arteta's growing, growing pains, but he was an assistant with Pep Guardiola at City for several years. Lampard really mm. didn't do a lot of that, really jumped right into management. And it's, it's you know, at the lower levels or a lower club, you can work some things out and go through some bad patches. But he's now, I mean, to to start at a club like Chelsea without too much of that experience is a difficult thing. And it's, at this moment, it is above him. And he, as we said, is, is there just to keep the seat warm. Um, they did win this past weekend, but it was funny coming out of the game there was some conversation, and it it was unlikely, and with the win, is almost certainly not going to happen. It was unlikely, but there was a not entirely unrealistic scenario where Chelsea got relegated. Hmm. <laughs> um, it's not going to happen. It, you know, that right. he, they won, they're going to be uh, they're, they're going to be okay. Uh, but it yeah, they were. I mean, you you saw that team there.
0: They didn't. They did not look good, Chelsea at all. No. No, I mean, one thing I noted early on, I was curious, they didn't end up showing it, but I really wanted to see the interception stats, like how many of their passes actually got completed. Because to my eye, it was under 50%. Like we were just like stealing the ball away from them left, right and center. Like every time they passed it, it was more likely that we'd end up with it than another Chelsea player.
1: Yeah, really sloppy, really disjointed. They're still not sure because of the squad size. You know, Lampard's still not really quite sure who his best 11 really is. So he can't, you know, the, the team just hasn't played together enough. That's sort of what we saw a little bit in some of, especially in the first half of the season, you know, when Arsenal go to the Europa League and they rotate out a bunch of players. And you saw how disjointed we looked at times. A lot of that is just because guys haven't been playing together. And so they're still working those kinks out. And now they're they're trying to work out the kinks. At Arsenal, you know the team that at the time was—I <laughs> I, believe—the win at that point uh, temporarily put us top at the moment. Um, right, yeah, it did. So yeah, yeah I mean, you're a team, very, you know, very much at the top of the table, and Chelsea is was, you know, that was that's a difficult thing to do. We have talked about quality of opponents and whatnot from their perspective, you know. And it, it, this is a this was a tough game for them as a London derby, um, which I believe we we went we went uh, through London without a loss this year. So fantastic,
0: yeah. yeah so uh no was just a great great performance i mean odegaard two amazing goals from him that one was just a banger off the (laughs) bar bar bar. down bar down that's awesome That's that's a great shot yeah, that's that's got to be unlikely when it hits the crossbar that it gets it like just enough that it actually does go in after it bounces down without hitting anything else besides the ground. <laughs> that is one of those fun shots to see, like the, the kind of power to hit hit the bottom of the bar and go
1: right down in. You don't want to go straight down onto the goal line, of course. I've seen that, too. But to right. Hit the bar and ricochet <laughs> in like that. Under the bar and ricochet in is as a quality shot. So, um,
0: yeah. yeah, that was. And, and Jaco was flying everywhere. Um Right, yeah, he was he was assisting Odegaard and at least one, maybe two of his uh, goals in that match. So I yeah, believe,
1: I, believe I said uh, really I thought low. I saw Xhaka came out with three assists in that game. I thought he had
0: all, he was a, oh, had okay. a hand in all
1: three of them. I thought yeah, I saw
0: nice, but. yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's amazing with Odegar, just these shots. Like he's, he's a midfielder, right? And it's not like he's getting in close to the goal to make these shots. He's shooting from a damn near midfield position, you know? And just the way that he threads it through, it's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. He's, I mean, he's around the outside of the box. So he's not, you know, it's, it's not like the, uh, the sporting one where the guy hit it from the, from half, from halfway. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's about finding your level. We've seen that a little bit a couple of times with, with party's goals. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be cutting in and, you know, with a tap in uh, on the bot in the six yard box, he's going to be a little bit further back as a midfielder and sending mm-hmm. it from distance. He's really handled. And especially we saw, you know, spoiler alert foreshadowing newcastle uh that low shot from distance he's had a couple of those that's a that's a tough mm. goal to thread in but he's done really excellently to done that to right. do that and uh, several yes times. and
0: agreed that that's the one that i was thinking of when i said near midfield but still he's he's playing from a midfield position he's got all the strikers are still closer to the goal than he is you know his yeah. line is still He's still playing on the midfield line or roughly, but yeah, um, just, yeah, just amazing. And yeah, I can't believe the way he does that. He's doing it very consistently this week. It's a, a pleasure to see. And Ramsdale too. Like, you know, this, this game could have gone differently if it weren't for some key saves from Ramsdale. Um, He's performing as well as ever too.
1: Yeah. I, it's one of those things where, and I think, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but if we haven't, we'll definitely talk about it now. It's one of those things where as a keeper, like you want to be involved in the game, but typically if you're as a keeper, if you're involved in the game, that means the other team is taking a lot of shots, which isn't really good. And with a team like Arsenal that for so much of the season will control possession, will dominate the flow of the game, you're not going to face a lot of those. And so as a keeper, you're not called on to make a lot of saves. You're called to make on key saves. And it's one of the things he's done really well with. Um, we've talked about him in the last couple of games, like even like we talked about Liverpool where he made a bunch of, yes, we gave up the two goals, but he gave in a bunch of saves, could have easily lost that game. Um, so sometimes it's not about making all the saves, but making the right ones at the moment where the game still hangs in the balance. And, and, and again, sort of sneak peek at Newcastle, he did a lot of the same thing there too, made the saves in the mm-hmm. moments that mattered. Um, and has yep. been deservedly, re- you know, rewarded the second time with the clean sheet. Uh, yeah, a little, a little frustrating to give up the goal, for, uh, you know, to Madweke, um, you know, it, it's annoying, but that was at that point one. it's, yeah, it's annoying,
0: but that was a tough that one. the point, way it was bouncing. That was that was hard to defend against.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll frustrate um it'll certainly frustrate uh Ramsdale, but you know, you kind of watch that from the distance and just say okay. All right. <laughs> you know, it's it's it stinks, yeah. but especially cuz we, you know, especially I I mean, I, even with even with the goal, it was hard to watch a lot of times and say, "Man, Chelsea really really looked like it could get back in this." No. No, they couldn't. They were and we played. We, we just sort of asserted ourselves, which was after the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the city game, but even some of the others before, where we t- struggle at times. You know, the blowing blowing here you and know, um, you know, blowing the early part of the game against Southampton, and and, and that just didn't happen. We were we were relatively in control of this game. Um, and Chelsea, we talked about this. They were uh, they're kind of on the beach. Uh, they, yeah, in some respects, yeah. their season's over now, and uh, it's just sort of playing out the string before everybody figures out where they're going to be next year. Cause it's not all of them are going to yeah. be
0: in West London. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean just uh, kind of closing out the match. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just looking at my notes and Ramsdale had two big saves in stoppage time at the end of the match where Chelsea was like trying hard to close the gap a little bit. And if it weren't for Ramsdale, they would have. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he definitely pulled his weight.
1: Yeah. Uh, there was a little incident there uh, late in the game. Uh, you saw, our our former friend from January, Mudric, Mudrik, uh, the uh, oh yeah, the Ukrainian the Ukrainian winger did come on. Got a got a, a warm reception. He said sarcastically from the the Arsenal crowd, "It's a bit unfair." I mean, like <laughs> you know, it, it, it is not our fault that Chelsea made a you know stupid financial decision and basically outbid what we were going <laughs> to bid. I you know I, I I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy on the guy, but uh, yeah, it's um. So you saw a little bit of Mudrik, and mm, man, yeah. The, uh,
0: I mean, it worked out for us. We wound up with Trossard, who I can't really complain about. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah, no, I'm glad you reminded me. I wanted to talk about Mudrik. So we also really saw a lot of Kivior. We've been seeing more of him. Um, And like looking at Kivior and Mudrik, it's like, yeah, I wish we had (laughs) Mudrik. He did seem like a really strong player. He was the best on the pitch that I could see from Chelsea that day, at least. He did.
1: He did no. all right. He wasn't on very long. I mean, obviously Kivior is no. a central defender, and we, yeah, we didn't talk about the lineup too much. I mean, some couple of couple of changes. Um, Kivior in for Rob Holding, and then uh, Jorginho was in for for Thomas Partey. Um I mean, uh, you know, the the question remains: was that maybe too late? You know, with, should is that a move that should have happened? Maybe Southampton, maybe West Ham. Um, not liver, not Liverpool mm-hmm. at Anfield. Not, not City, but maybe, maybe do a little mm-hmm. sooner. So a guy like Kivior, who, um, he he certainly got some speed. He's definitely a very fast player. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did okay. Uh, Gabriel got beat up a little bit. Uh, there was some doubt about him playing against Newcastle, but he came in and and went ninety, which is which is good to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's a strong performance, a good match, fun to watch, uh, and it got them back in a winning mindset leading into the Newcastle match, which was, uh, I'm sure, a good thing for them. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, there's there's something I'd like to tell you about, Keith. Have you, have you heard about Liquid IV? <laughs> I, I have heard about Liquid IV,
1: um, but, you know, I know you're... I, I, we're, we're both users, I think, so...
0: Um, but yeah, t- tell tell us a little bit more about it. Well, yeah, it's... Uh... It is a very effective way of hydrating yourself after a workout. It's uh, something that I've integrated into my routine uh, when I'm out on the sports fields uh, coaching my son and his teammates. Uh, it's starting to get warmer in New York, not not quite as hot as by you in Houston, but still, uh, you know, we've had some uh, practices in the 70s recently, and I think we had some in the 80s like a few weeks ago prematurely. But, um, you know, it's starting to get sweaty, and uh, as soon as I feel like I've gotten really sweated out and dehydrated, I stick some uh, liquid IV in a water bottle and I chug it down. Well, I, I did actually start chugging it down, and I realized it's probably more effective if I spread it out a little bit, so I've stopped chugging and started <laughs> sipping a little bit more. but uh in in just one stick you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than with water alone i use it first thing in the morning before a workout and uh when you feel run down and after a long night out or on long flights um As mentioned, it hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It comes in a bunch of tasty flavors. There's a new seaberry flavor as well as strawberry lemonade, which is the one that I've been uh, tasting. Uh, there's Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, tropical punch, watermelon, and a bunch of others. And uh, you put one stick, which when they say stick, it's a little packet that you tear open. It's a kind of stick shaped packet. You pour it in 16 ounces of water and uh, it contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It is made with premium ingredients, which are non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. And because Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world, they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. So, I'm sure you're thinking that I want to try some of that. Well, when you do, you can go to liquidiv.com and use code GOONER at checkout. That's G O O N E R. You can use that to get 20% off anything you order. So, shop better hydration today using promo code GOONER at liquidiv.com. That is code GOONER, G O O N E R, for 20% off. Thank you to Liquid IV for sponsoring our show. So, Newcastle. We were away. We were at Saint James's Park. You in in a uh, prior reading of the opening of the show, I said Saint James Park, uh, but it is Saint James's Park. One of those things. Um, and actually, you should you should really get a real English tilt to it. It's Saint James's, almost like it's one kind of
1: words oh, sin, together. The Saint James's. Jan- like, Jan- James's Park. Um, right. I'm not going to pre- I'm not going to affect a Geordie <laughs> accent because I care about our listeners and <laughs> viewers and we don't need
0: that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was interesting uh, for the stanchion report of the day. They have uh, three black stanchions. I still don't get the three stanchions. I don't know. I don't see any. I think the goal ends up actually looking worse. I think you see the curves in the net more with the three and I don't, I don't think it's necessary, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, uh it was, it was not as lopsided a match as against Chelsea. They did. It was, it was, it was kind of 50, 50 effort roughly for, throughout the first half. Like, you know, we, we were, Better, we had more shots on goal, but roughly a, a similar number of shots throughout the first half, at least. And uh, possession was roughly even, but you know, we we seemed hungrier. We seemed like we were really attacking harder than they were. Was my impression.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot in this as it was happening, and then other some other stories have sort of popped up in the aftermath. Um, wh- one thing we should point out. Um, obviously Newcastle are improving. Um, we've talked about like tough environments to be in you know, we talked about anfield and liverpool and compared to the emirates or man city which you know not always not the most terrifying of environs i st james's park is up there those liverpool those uh newcastle fans are intense um that is one of the old proud clubs which is pretty funny that they haven't actually won anything since like the 60s uh, they they've wow. they have been they're they're facing a, a massive drought in terms of having won a trophy of any kind we're talking the league cup and nothing nothing um hmm. but they're one of the they're one of the the long-standing clubs uh they've spent recent years uh the, the recent decade under the ownership of a guy named mike ashley who basically didn't spend any money at all uh so hmm. the club was they were relegated a at least twice that I can think of in since I've been watching in the last 15 years, uh, almost Mm. 15, 20 years. Uh, They have since been bought by what's effectively a front company for the Saudi royal family uh, and have Mm -hmm. been investing um, not quite, you know, the phrase is financial doping, uh, you know, where they spend a bunch of money and buy a bunch of players, but they have certainly improved themselves a lot of behind the scenes. They're going to have a lot of money to spend in the next couple of years. And they're going to be a very good, very dangerous team. Uh, and to top this all off, this was a game. If you think I uh, certainly for me, I remember watching it, la- watching it last season, but for you watching it through all or nothing, um, this was the game. This was one of the late season games. It came af- right after the Tottenham loss, where we lost at Spurs Ugly game, holdings red card and all that. Then the next game we went up to Newcastle and just looked dreadful and lost 2-0. And that was basically the end of our that was really when we kind of fell out of the Champions League spot to the end. And it was interesting pre-game. Apparently, like I, I think they said right in the hotel before they went to the park, Arteta played that clip of the documentary of the, the players in the dressing room after the Newcastle game and this kind of, like, the the disappointment and the anguish they went through. And and Rams, Aaron Ramsdale in particular was talking about it post-game, and, like, this was really galvanizing. Like, this was, like, it was part of their motivation that they, how bad they felt. We've talked a little bit about this, the way they used the disappointment of last season to fuel them this year. Um, and I think you saw that in particular, I, I'm curious what you thought in terms of the, uh,
0: the robustness of the game, the physicality of the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I clearly noticed. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of... So first of all, there was a lot of physical confrontation between the two sides. And you can't even really say that one side or the other was the aggressor. It seemed pretty even as far as that goes. It was also interesting how few yellow cards ended up getting issued. Like the fights didn't really escalate... To the point where there, there were a couple, but not as many as in other matches that we've seen. You know, um, so that was that was kind of interesting. That was my take on it.
1: Yeah, uh, there was definitely um, it was a physical game. Uh, at uh, you know, you know, red and white the glasses on said in Newcastle were certainly the, to my mind were the initiators of a lot of the contact and and there you know there's we've talked a little bit about the the physical play and referees letting teams play. You know, we've sort of seen at, at points this season where Arsenal, not as, as much as maybe in the last couple of years, where it, they let it get to them and they clearly let it frustrate them. Here, I thought we did a really good job of of really um, of keeping our cool and keeping involved in the game. And there were there were moments throughout I was particularly worried about Granite Xhaka, who has more than once. Uh, seen red as it were uh <laughs> you know it, it gets, seems to like just lose control and focus and make a, a rash challenge and get himself red carded and thrown out and it looked a couple times today like he was getting really close to that uh but mm-hmm. in, in the end he and 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 jesus was doing this a lot um a lot of it was them trying to wind up uh the newcastle players we we engaged a fair amount of time wasting. Um, which, given the degree to which they time wasted in the first game back at the Emirates, good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those where I think you could rightly be critical of the official for letting too much go. There were a few times there that, you know, that weren't given cards some challenges that frankly probably should have been. Um, but you could also argue that you're letting them play, you're allowing the physical game to play out. At a certain point, though, t- to me, especially right before the half, there was a lot of uh, pushing. There was some pushing and shoving a little bit. At that, to me, was the moment where I sort of said, "Okay, the referee really does need to." He he was a vi- he was a vi- he felt like a casual observer of the game as opposed to someone who was trying to manage it. And it felt like he was allowing mm-hmm. things had allowed things to get a little bit out of control. Um, but it was uh, it was it-, it was a physical game, and and to their credit, Arsenal didn't complain they weren't you know going i think you know they complained to the ref a few times as, as everyone does but you know they they also sort of got on with it that they said okay that's how this is going to be then then that's how then that's what we're going to do and mm-hmm. you know that's a that's not something we've been able to do in the past so this is frankly a game that was i you know obviously i think people listening to this know that we won Uh, Was the result and the way that we played was immensely satisfying to come away with that kind of win in that kind of game. I
0: enjoyed that very much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to me, so they came out really strong and it seems to be a pattern with teams that we play where they'll come out in the first like five minutes like, oh, my God gosh, where the heck did they come from? Just like relentlessly shooting on goal. And it seems like, what are we going to do They They just won't quit. But sooner or later, like they usually end up slowing down. And it, it seemed to me, and I want to get your take on this to me, where I sensed a shift in the crowd. And I think in the players was after the initial handball call against Kivior, That was going to be a penalty and VAR took a look and confirmed what I saw after the first replay, which was, yeah, it hit off his leg. It didn't actually touch his hand or if it did touch his hand, it was only after touching his leg and they Mm -hmm. took it back and it felt like they were ready for blood at that point. And when they weren't satiated, they just got (laughs) dejected and just kind of lost their enthusiasm for a bit. And I think we capitalized on that, it seemed to me
1: yeah i mean you know this momentum's a funny thing they definitely came out well the crowd was up for it i mean this was a big game um you know certainly for newcastle really they they're truly trying to solidify themselves as frankly the third number three team as you know with the results uh the rest of the results of the day uh with united losing later that day you know they can uh you know i think newcastle is going to feel pretty secure in third but you want you don't want to fall into that place you want to lock it in and grab it and so for them to have arsenal at their place you know this is a real opportunity for them to make a statement um they were very they were much more reserved in that first leg when they ended with a pretty pretty ugly uh scoreless draw but at that point in the season that was a good result for them now because they're pushing to clinch the champions league spot they're in a fight with united Liverpool's coming up you know, now you're at that point of the season. They have a lot to play for, and so they 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 went for it. And with the crowd behind them, you kind of want to build on that. But I think you're right. I think that was really an important moment. Uh, Kivior, the 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 handball that wasn't on, on Kivior, which I, I I mean that was the it was the right call. The ball hits off his thigh, not his not his hand. It might have grazed his hand, but only after hit deflecting off of him, which is it's not a handball. So I Mm -hmm. the referee looked at it a a few too many times for our liking (laughs) um that was was an unnecessarily long var check but they got the call right that was the right call and i think there's some moments like that and you hear this in other sports too especially with a home team with a big crowd there are always going to be moments where they come at you we saw we saw that a little bit like with liverpool and west ham where the crowd's going the play the other team is going and you're you're sort of stuck and you're really trying to you know you're, you're 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 sort of you sort of have to survive in that environment. A lot of that came early. And so we did a good job to survive. And yeah, after the handball, we were able to assert possession, push forward a little bit better. And
0: Martin Odegaard. Oh, captain, my captain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and like that, when we talk about threading it through the defenders, I mean, literally threaded it through a defender's legs in this case. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and if you look, Nick Pope, who who by the way
1: had a really good game as well, the, the Newcastle mm-hmm. keeper, made some really impressive saves. Um he's just late on it. I think he I think he's screened. I think he doesn't see it until it's too late. I think with some of the, the blodies and players moving around him, he you, you see how late he reacts, but it's it's a perfectly played shot from Odegaard. It's a difficult play. We sort of talked about that right. So the toughest, I, I mean, the the corners are really where you want to aim your shots because they're the furthest places for a keeper to reach. In some cases, going down is actually harder to get to because you think these are, you know, tall guys, long arms, and now they have to go all the way mm. down to the ground to go get that ball, and that can be tougher for them than reaching out and jumping into the corner. So it's a, it was a perfectly placed ball. Um, yeah, Odegaard has been... You know, in the aftermath of that city game where as we said everything was terrible, uh Odegaard has mm. been Odegaard's been great in the, the last uh the last couple of games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh that was a pleasure to watch. That was a, a good match and you know, it was good we we scored in both halves, which I like too. You know, we've too often kind of closed out the first half in a draw and then come out of it in the second half, and I like that we scored in both halves. That was that was an indication of strength also to me.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. It definitely felt like a game where... I mean, certainly Newcastle had some chances. Ramsdale made some really great saves. Um, They hit the post a couple of times, uh, which, you know, especially early on, that was really, I think, a big moment before the penalty shout. Um, They had a shot that, you know, crashed off the post, and we were able to scramble that one away. Yeah, we were under siege a little bit in those first 10 minutes. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I think it was definitely a game that it, it was, it, you weren't going to feel too comfortable with the idea that you were going to win one nil Two nil though. I think that that one felt like it kind of ended the game. I, and not that Newcastle couldn't have done it and they had a few chances that got close, but I mean, they're I, Newcastle's a really solid, solid defensively. I mean, they I think they've conceded the fewest goals in the league. I think this season, um, and they they were really solid in the midfield, and they they there were some stretches where we were struggling to keep the ball, and they were doing they were really pushing through our midfield uh, very effectively. Um, but it, it, you know, one of the things they lack is sort of that finishing quality up top. They don't have anyone like uh, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, Odegaard. By the way, that Jesus is we didn't mention this at the Chelsea game. Jesus' tenth goal of the season. That was the third one. Gives us four players with double-digit goals, which I believe Arsenal's never wow. done before, at least in the Premier League. Um, it's an impressive How many thing. Other teams have that. Uh, not many. It's not. A, it's a rare thing. Yeah. I mean, first, just a lot of them. Like, take take Manchester City for example. Erling Haaland scores <laughs> I, 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 an ordinate amount of their a number of their goals. I think he, he they midweek when they beat. Uh, I think it was West Ham. They beat in the week. He. Um, that was his. That w- they broke the record for goals in a season in the Premier League. Yeah. City, by the way, still had five games remaining <laughs> in this in this season yeah. when he did that. So he's he's been out. He's been absurd. But, um, you know, the, some of it's just about team design or style. For us, stylistically, we want to have those guys who can who can score. I mean, Jesus would have broken double digits before, except remember he missed what two months with uh, with an injury. Right. So, um, you know it. it, it him, Saka, Martinelli, and Odegaard, um, and we have a couple other guys who have you know been able to chip in a couple of goals here and there. xhaka has got a couple, um, you know, uh, a Party's got a couple. So yeah, to to have that kind of scoring spread about, and you know, sometimes your scoring is spread out because you don't have a, a talismanic player like a Harry Kane or an early Holland who you can always feed the ball to who can score a goal when you need one. But in our case, it's it's almost by design. We're we're really built to spread those goals around and we've scored the mm-hmm. second most goals in the league this season. So I think it's, I think it's working. It seems like it's yeah. doing its job.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh, Martinelli scored sort of two. <laughs> <It was laughs> I mean, te- technically, no,
1: technically that was uh that was right. a Fabian Schar own goal, which uh, speaking of players who deserved that, Schar, uh, not to, not to harp on the officiating, Schar could very well have been off the field. Um, he very well could have been red carded earlier um it was yeah. funny he had a he had a particularly nasty challenge on Jacques at one point which is fascinating because the two of them are both uh, both play for Switzerland so they're national teammates all right um, yep and, uh, I, 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 and there was one I think Shar ended up going like through two different Arsenal players uh, right I think it was right before the half <laughs> um he yeah, was he was him. flying yeah. out there and not in a really good way um they're they're a big team. Newcastle's a really a lot of tall guys, a lot of big guys. So I think Dan Byrne, uh, the the guy, the left back who was tasked with guarding Saka, is like six seven. Hmm. Um, He he, and he was on skates at a few points, so that would he 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 does not want to go one on one with the (laughs) guy Saka. Yeah, but yeah, that was a that was it it was satisfying. It was a satisfying win. That's the word I think, really, the word to go for. Satisfying.
0: Yeah. So this is the first time since we started talking about player of the match that we've had another week with uh, two matches that we're discussing together. Um, I think we should do player of the week. How do you feel? I'm okay with that. So let me ask you, let me start with you.
1: I mean, because I know I have my, you've been watching, you've watched plenty. Who would, who is your player of the week?
0: I think clearly in a, Week where we scored five goals and three of them were from one player. I think Odegaard is the clear choice to me. Um, in addition to being captain and kind of being able to take credit for the morale of a team that's like starting to improve and stuff too. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, th- that's the clear choice to me. Runner-up being Ramsdale, and that's kind of been a theme for us, is like Ramsdale very often, if not being the choice, being the runner-up, because he just is doing that well and making such a big difference for them. But yeah, uh, I, I pick Odegaard, and I think it's pretty easy to pick that.
1: I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I thought Odegaard did well. I mean, sometimes goals, it sort of depends on how the game plays out. Sometimes goals are like you collect the goal and it's good. You scored, but most of the work was done by somebody else and you've got to tap in. Uh, but as we talk about Arsenals mm-hmm. and design that way and, and Odegaard's goals and, and when they came too, you know, to open the scoring in both games, really sort of asserting us in the game in both cases. And he did a very good job. I think of uh, sort of keep it, keeping the medal. I mean, you know, a guy like Xhaka, Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus, uh were doing a lot of the wind up and, and, and that's not Odegaard's game, and and he didn't and he didn't get suckered into any of that stuff. Um, I, you know, I mean, I mean, Bukayo Saka pushed a guy at one point, and you never see him like do get too, <laughs> you know, it was a it was a physical game, and to have that sort of calm presence in the center, I uh, he and I think he's a guy, he and Arteta, I think, see the game very similarly, and as a as a as a manager, it, it's one of the reasons I wasn't surprised when he was named captain at the start of the season. As a, you almost want that second second set of eyes on the field as the manager to have a guy. I think he and Odegaard are in very similar places like that, and it's uh, yeah, you can see when it works. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody? I I, I don't want to quite go with a, a goat of the week, but is there anyone maybe that you... Um, well, you know what? Actually, before I say that, I think underrated player from this week, underrated. I think Jorginho did some really good work Certainly in the Chelsea game, but it's hard to say because Chelsea was just so bad. But especially in the Newcastle game, I thought Jorginho did a really good job of keeping the game settled, not getting flustered. I mean, he's a guy. He's Jorginho's one trophy, major trophies with Chelsea. We said when 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 Tuchel and Chelsea won the Champions League was it, in 21. Jorginho was on that team. Uh, he was on the Italy team that won the Euros uh, in 21. So that summer, so he. he, he He's a winner. He's won things, and he sort of knows how to handle. And they, there was a comment I think after the Newcastle game. He kind of he's one of those players that kind of relishes that environment of the the, mm-hmm. cra- the crowd and the fans being up and it being a bit hostile. Not everybody handle. You know, a lot of teams can look good at home and the crowd's behind you. How do you respond when the crowd is against you? And some guys relish that. They really they get it gets them going. And he he's a guy. It sounds like uh, got going from that which is which is good because we. Hmm. You know, we needed it and I thought he did I underratedly I I mean I think I think Odegaard's really a good a good shout for the for that player of the week spot, but I think Jorginho, especially coming in, you know, the way he did, um, you know, having not played for a while or having obviously having seen parties struggle, he's a different player with a different game and sort of gives us a slightly different dimension in midfield.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I'll uh, I'll keep a closer eye on him next time around. Yeah, I'd be curious to see as we come to the end of the season, you know,
1: I we've said, you know, I think Party might be struggling with an injury. He came on late. He's still, he's a good player, but it, it he's not as good as he was earlier in the season. And so I wonder, yeah, It'll be very curious to see what they think as we'll start. We, Cause I know where, where I was, we were having this conversation pregame as we start to get to the summer, you know, w- w- a lot of it's about guys coming in who kind of players we're going to bring in, but also a little bit about guys going out and uh, we, we, there's some speculation. We have some names, people we think might be on their way out. Um, hmm. You know, and that's kind of the position we're in. If you're going to be adding some players, there's a lot of rumors flying about guys. We will target, especially in the midfield, um, you know, for not as replacements, but as adding to, to players like, or eventually, hopefully, replacing a a party as he starts to age, you know, get to the end of his age curve, or get to the end of his peak years. Okay. But we can deal with, we can deal with transfer market stuff, uh, we can, we can, we we are still, we're still in it, uh, you know, we need City, (laughs) we, we, if we need to win our final three games and have City drop four points, a loss and a draw for City in their final four games, um, and you know it's the hope that kills you, but <laughs> I mean, you look—you look at us going ahead, uh, going forward. Our three games—they are all winnable. Uh, certainly, Brighton at home. The next one is the toughest game, and then we close at Forest, who's in a relegation scrap, and then home against Wolves, who probably who should be safe and and done by that point. Um, you know, City still has to play. City City still has a couple of. of Tricky road games remaining, plus this week they play Re- this week and next week we'll play Real Madrid in the Champions League. Which is obviously a a, a different challenge altogether. So right. you know, don't don't overthink it. But it's not the craziest thing either. That's
0: all I'll say. Right. Yeah, it's it's still possible. We aren't we aren't out of the running yet. So it's exactly a, see how it goes. So uh, a couple questions related to these matches. So um, one thing they started showing in stoppage time during stoppage time um, at the end of the second half against Chelsea, they were showing Mudric with green on his face. And I was wondering, what is that? And then they were they said something about lasers and laser action. And then they showed it again a few minutes later. This is Arsenal fans shining laser pointers at his face, hoping to blind him because he didn't go to Arsenal or something. That That's nuts.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's what it was. It was a fan with a laser pointer. Yeah. Uh, that fan has since uh, been arrested. Uh, they found out who it oh, good. was. They they've identified him. him. Yeah, they've, they've arrested oh, him. Good. So, uh, yeah, no, that's not cool. Um, no, don't shine. Don't shine lasers into people's faces. I, I don't know why we have to say this, but don't shine lasers <laughs> into people's faces. Um yeah, no, yeah. that's that I mean I I don't know that it's like deliberately blinding in the sense that like, aha, I'm gonna burn your eyes out. But I do but you know, it's that yeah. it, it does cause that sort of temporary and a mess, blindness kind of messes with you just because, you know, all of a sudden for that second you can't see. Um Right. So um yeah, it, every once in a while you'll see something like that. Um it it don't do it. <laughs> it's just not yeah, cool. No, it's, um it's nuts. But yeah, he's but yeah, that the fan was identified and was arrested. I think he said he was like a like 21 or something. That's like a young guy, really young guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yes, that you, what you saw was correct. And I feel like I'm, okay. I'm I, I, I had to, I, I only watched like the first half live and I had to, I watched the second half uh, later, especially because I saw you had mentioned the laser pointers. And so I checked it out. And I think they made a, they mentioned it on the broadcast. Um, yeah. That that was a thing that was going on. But yeah, that's, that's not okay. Uh, the league doesn't think that's okay. Um, certainly Arsenal as a club doesn't think that's okay. No. And um
0: it's been done. I'm with glad them. that they found him. That that seems like it could be a difficult thing among, amongst a packed stadium to to identify who's doing it. I'm glad they were able to. So they must have had experts in that form of identification. If you've seen Greece.
1: Well, it's I mean it's also a case of they have they have a lot of cameras in that stadium. Um Right. There's a lot of surveillance. And some of that is remnant some of that's because England is you know Britain has a a bit of the penopticon they're they're watching you always and but but also in the stadium I mean we've talked a little bit about the, the legacy of hooliganism some of that's left over from that too um uh, we talked about facial facial recognition software and how that's been used um so i mean there's there's a lot they can do I'm not surprised they found the guy. And who knows, maybe they asked right. and a couple of fans, you know, they asked, they we knew it came from this section. A couple of fans go, yeah, I saw this guy. He was sitting over there. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows what I, what information they were working on.
0: Right. So next, um, I think this was at the very beginning of the Newcastle match. Some f- group of fans was holding up a banner that said, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, but ho the Lads. ho the, the Lads. Yeah, Hawaii the Lads.
1: Um, okay (laughs) yeah so so what you've encountered is what are called geordies uh g-e-o-e-r g-e-o-r-d-i-e a geordie which is a slang term for someone from the northeast uh where newcastle is um they have a very pronounced um accent um, okay. I'm trying to think if there's a good example of it I, well I, I, you've probably seen I believe probably uh, I think this is supposed to be one of them um, David Prowse I think it was Prowse the uh, the guy who plays Darth Vader in the, the original start. not yes. the body yeah if you watch I'm sure you must have seen them there's clips they do of when they're on set before they get James Earl Jones to dub over the voice Prowse is saying the lines himself I think he's I think he's you got a yorkshire accent it's a okay. it's that region yorkshire uh so hawa the lads um i mean if you look at where they are in the northeast getting towards the the border with scotland um it's definitely a little more rustic i it essentially means let's go it's just a cheer okay. the like, oh, oh, <laughs> the lads let's go uh it's, a, it's just that kind of you know a, a, just a cheer a chant and because there's a an the a- ac- a bit of the accented bit of the uh, um just the accent of it, the, 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 local, the local dialect.
0: Right, okay. <laughs> I wonder if there is an actual word in the dictionary that that either is or is meant to evoke. <laughs> so I guess we can uh, follow up with that next week. Um, one final question. There was, I think it was an a halftime ad. I did watch the Newcastle game live, and I think it was a halftime ad for the usfl the united states football league and i just wanted to ask is that a competitor to the mls or to the nfl which which is that that is a that is a spring football
1: league so it is operating right now so that's what the ad was for their games coming up um it is essentially trying to act like a minor league to the nfl um in terms of competition it's sort of competition for MLS, but the kind of people who watch football this time of year are not the same kind of people who are going to watch soccer ever. Um, right. <laughs> so, it, so it is a competitor in sort of the vaguest, like, these are two things competing for your entertainment dollars at the same time. Right. Uh, it is not a competition for the NFL. There, There is no comp- competition for the NFL, basically, in, in the United States. Right. Um, but, all, um, all I meant
0: was which yeah. which football is it?
1: <laughs> so so here's a fun story tied to tied to the USFL. It is it is a relaunch of a league that existed back in the early '80s. Same idea, oh. spring football, sort of a minor league, uh, especially even as far even in the '80s, late as the '80s, some guys, you know, they didn't quite make as much money, and so they had to do other things. And for some of them, it was a chance to stay in shape, or for it was an especially now it's an opportunity for guys who didn't quite make the NFL they get to play a little bit longer and maybe if they really star uh, they can they can get a look and sign by an NFL team uh the XFL uh, is a, is another kind of thing that, that just ended their season um sort of running in oh, the space Oh the XFL football- is still around? Oh well it was re well it was there was the original XFL which i want to say what like 2000 2001 somewhere yeah, in there Yeah like earth? late 90s maybe around 2000, Yeah somewhere yeah. in that range um that folded after one year they right. relaunched it uh spring of 2020. Oh. And then of course spring of 2020 everything shut <laughs> down because of covid. And then uh it was the same guy it was Vince McMahon the WWE's president CEO whatever his position is. He did both of those. Then during that hiatus sold the rights to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock uh who has relaunched leaks. So this is the third version of the XFL that just finished their first season. Um uh, The USFL is a relaunch of a league that existed back in the the early 80s, Spring League, but several owners decided they wanted to try and compete directly with the NFL, so they switched to a fall schedule and sued the NFL uh, under under antitrust law. Now, I don't remember the details of all the antitrust law, but they win the case, but the damages per the lawsuit apparently was $1. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> to, the, to the point where, huh. I don't know if this actually happened, but there was at least a rumor of a story where the NFL's representative in the courtroom pulled a dollar out of his wallet and handed it to them. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, so, yeah, and you want the full, full weirdness of the story. One of the owners uh, in the USFL who pushed them into being a fall football league and competing with the NFL was a guy who yeah. very much wanted to be an NFL owner, uh, a rather well-known real estate developer from New York. That was Donald Trump. Huh. Okay. So there's a, we, I saw the USFL in our show notes. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a, there's a but lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of weirdness with that one. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of competition, it is in some ways competition to competition to um, it's competition for MLS in terms of entertainment dollars. It's not, it, but it's not, Really, because uh, they're, t- they're really just two different audiences: sports fans writ large, but also, you know, they. But but I mean, two very different groups of sports fans in in, in a lot of ways. And even, right. I mean, you know, I, I I like American football. Um, you know, the go Giants, but I mean. <laughs> I, I'm not watching spring football. I'm not doing it. I, I got other right. things on my plate right now, including Arsenal. So yeah, <laughs> you know, there are some people who get into it. Um, weird fact as well, Houston um, is apparently the home is apparently the only city that has a team in both of these spring leagues. So go huh. us, I guess. Um, there's a joke in there. There's a joke in there about the, about the, the quality of the NFL team, the Houston Texans. Um, but I don't, I, I can't quite pull that one together. So. <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away, as well as occasional bonus content. There's a link in the show notes to join. And thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them at liquidiv.com and enter code Gooner, G-O-O-N-E-R, to save 20% at checkout. You can now follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U Show for updates. Uh, quick fun story there. Um, I, w- I almost could have gotten Gooner U. There is no Gooner U on there, but is, there is a goon.ru, which is some Russian account that seems like largely abandoned and the dots yeah. don't count for uniqueness. <laughs> so not going to touch, touch that one. Not
1: going to touch that one.
0: So we are Gunnar U Show. You can follow it to find out when new episodes have been posted, and you can ask us questions on there. Um, I'll, I'll get emailed, and we'll, uh, we'll read your questions on the show. We'd love to help uh, enroll other students in Gunnar U. Uh, again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. And with me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Sunday at home against Brighton. Come on, you Gunners.